Get motivated, get educated, get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the How To Property Podcast. Uh, this morning, I have my good friend Harvey Andrew on, who um, will introduce himself in a second, but Harvey is a master at managing properties remotely. He invests in an area that is a few hundred miles away from where he lives and has built up an incredible portfolio doing that. So really going to pick into his uh, brain around the systems and the processes of how he's done that, as well as the motivation and everything else that's going on in his life at the minute. So Harvey, welcome, my friend. Thank you very much for having me, Ryan. I feel privileged making it to your podcast. So thanks for the invitation. <laughs> no, I do, have, I do have one question to ask you because this bugs the hell out of me. How many times do you get called Andrew? Uh, probably maybe once or twice a week when I speak to my mum, and that's and that is it. <laughs> uh, it was weird as well. It's one of those things. It wasn't a conscious decision for me, but from school, do you know at school, like you've got you've got some kids that get called both by. I bet sometimes you got called Luke, and sometimes you got called Liam. all the time. Yeah, all the time. But for me, for some reason, I didn't get the mixture. I just it was just purely Harvey, even to the point of teachers, friends, parents. Only Harvey. Then it got to a point when I was about sort of 20, 25, and people would hear my first name and go, I didn't even know that was your first name. And they'd, they'd known me like for 10 years. And then when I started networking like, like and got out there networking, I think about 2014, late 2013, I went out networking to network events. I started introducing myself as Andrew because obviously that's my name. And I can't comprehend this. In, I can't comprehend this myself in my own head either, like the logic behind this. But it actually feels weird when people I get along with call me Andrew because nobody calls me. Like for the last sort of, I'm 43. So since, since the age of six, I've been called Harvey by absolutely everybody apart from my mum and my sister. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was weird. So when I was introduced myself as Andrew, then I'd bring a few friends along. They'd call me Harvey, and everybody was uh, – I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make this conscious decision to call myself Harvey to everybody, introduce myself as Harvey. Uh, and, yeah, and that's that's where we're at. As, as weird as it, it sounds, I can't work it out, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I've got two first names, and, like, it probably doesn't help that I wear hoodies saying Luke on the front of them, you know, with yeah. Luke Holmes. And that. But everyone calls me Luke as my first name. I was in a – I was in a meeting the other day with a potential uh, development I'm buying and with the with the owners, and he just constantly kept calling me Luke. This old boy, he's like seventy three year old, and I could see <laughs> the, the commercial stage. And after it was like, I'm really sorry, my client kept calling me by the wrong name. I was like, honestly, I get it all the time. Don't worry. About it. I blame my parents for choosing two first names. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, anyway, uh, let's get down to business. So, um, you are a single let landlord predominantly. And yep. you've built a incredible portfolio up in my area, my neck of the woods. Uh, all you southerners like to come up here. Um, what was the what was the decision to do that in the first place? What made you want to do it from you know out of area? Yeah, so easy answer to it. I'll, I'll, I'll explain the reasoning behind my easy answer. It's just it was just it was just the cost and the returns. You know, it's 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 like night and day. You know, like unless you want to do bigger developments and bigger stuff. Like just straightforward single let properties is no comparable buying one locally than uh, remotely. So it was just cost. So I, the first thing I ever done, I bought a piece of land uh, and I wanted to develop two 
two, three bedroom houses. So the first deal I ever done was a piece of land. At the time, I'd never read a book. I'd never been on any seminars, done anything. I just used my instinct. I'd always been around kind of business, but uh, just used my instinct and bought a piece of land when I wanted to get into property. And it sounds glamorous, but it wasn't. I'd lost money on that piece of land. It was way, my ambition was way above my skill level at that time and my courage. I remember going to the auction, sticking my hand up, going, yeah, on the first, like literally felt simultaneously as my hand went up, the hammer went down and I'd won this piece of land. I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And and it was on my maximum bid. The first bid I got accepted was my maximum bid as well. And once I had it, I was really procrastinating because like, I was scared. Like it was the first thing I'd done. Like it was really overwhelming planning. And and then I started moving forward with it and got loads of issues with planning and, and everything. And yeah. Uh, and But I ended up selling it, reselling it at a loss. But that loss was probably about five years later, and it was at a point when I needed some money. So it took a little while to realise how much I'd lost on it. And so I'd done deals in between that give me motivation to to keep moving forward. But then I'd done my second deal. Like I, I, I was born in London. I was born, I'm really proud of being born in London, uh, born in Plasto Hospital. But from the age of six, we grew up in a little village called Avely, still on the inside of the M25. But it's the first, it's the first. Like when London London stops here and Avery starts here, so it's the first one in in Essex. Uh, and in this little village, I know that inside out. So when people say only invest within an hour from where you live, that's fine if you live in a place that's investments are worth doing. So the the area I knew inside out and the streets inside out was Avery because I grew up there from six. But it wasn't an investment location. But again, off a natural instinct, I went to South End. This is the one we're talking with you about at the moment. I went to South End, which was within an hour, but I didn't know that any better than I knew Stockton on Tees, which is four hours away. And, and it turned out I bought this property. The age, I didn't do enough research at the time. I didn't, you don't know what you don't know. And I, and I, was, I wasn't as diligent as I maybe could have been, but I just went off. I was hungry. I bought a piece of land. I bought this uh, development. I bought this, uh, this flat in South End. And to be fair, I didn't even know what a yield was at that point. I didn't even know what, I didn't know all the terminology. I didn't know what, buy refurbished mortgage wise i literally just dived in started buying houses worked out as i went along and uh bought this flat agent went to me yeah it's fantastic it it, like it'd be a great rental blah 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 and i moved my friend in luckily enough i moved my friend in because literally after he moved in we realized i found out there's a road called york road which was about five roads up and it's a real notorious uh red light district and not like the amsterdam red light districts you might think of like cool trendy bars this was heroin addicts walking the street at night to get their fix. Uh, and they walking past my flat at night. Then to top it off, because I didn't do enough research, which I probably could have done better. I'll, I'll hold my hands up to that. Four doors up from this flat was a drug rehabilitation center. So the same ladies that was walking on the street at nighttime for their fix would turn up in the morning to get their rehabilitation. Luckily, I moved my friend in. I think he secretly liked these ladies wandering around and he stayed for about six years. He probably hate me. for I, I know he's not on social media, so I always say that. It's probably more of a joke. But uh, but yeah, he stayed there for a while. But he really made me realise that, wow, I didn't know South End any better. But then I met a guy from Stockton on Tees. He moved down. So I bought a few properties and run out of money. So I'd done my piece of land, two deals. My second deal, I'd learned how to do my second buy to let. So my third deal, I'd learned how to do the buy refurbishment mortgage. Just stumbled across it with a broker. He said, there's a product out there that you can get a light refurbishment mortgage on. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but that second deal, I still, I remember, so I started off with a pot of about 80K, and this was in 2009. So the houses were half the price down here as well. And I'd run out within two deals. I only had a little bit of money left. 
Then I went on the in internet and uh, started studying a little bit. My first time being on the internet, and I come across a guy called AJ, who's from Romford, which is greater London, but it's only about about fifteen minute drive from where I grew up. And he was buying properties all over uh, all over the UK for less than I was paying on the deposits. And I was like, and he kept on talking about yield, other people's money, and I was like, wow, dubious of him because I'd never never been on the internet. It seemed too good to be true, but prior that seed because he was buying them all around the country. And, uh, and then he was saying about using bank money and everything like this. And I remember the bank ringing me up. I just bought my second flat. I was out of money nearly. And the bank rang me up and said, would you like a, would you like a, uh, would you like a loan? And I was thinking, oh, this is guy is talking about this. I was like, yeah. And because I said it in that tone like that as well, that's infectious. Like you're just smiling then when I said it. The guy on the end of the phone laughed as well and went, what do you want it for? I said, I'll buy an house from a portfolio. I was really excited. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, from a portfolio, even though I only had one house. And uh, I didn't know anything about fake it till you make it then. <laughs> I had one house and one piece of land. I was going to a portfolio. And he, he was like, oh, look, if you said that was for a car or a kitchen for your house, we could have loaned it. We can't do business loans on a personal thing. And he said, I can't even change that now because these calls are recorded. He said, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can call you back. I want to tell you what, mate, call you back. I knew what he meant. And by the way, disclaimer, you're not allowed to take personal loans for doing business. I felt comfortable with it because I knew I could pay that loan even if what I'd done didn't work. I've paid it back to this day. Probably own about six properties off the back of that one loan as well to this day from the buyer refurbishment mortgage. But I'm not encouraging anybody. I was happy to step into that grey area and I felt that was okay because I knew I could pay it. But don't follow me to do that because you're not allowed. But either way, hung the phone up. Within a second, ring, hello, bank here. Would you like a loan? Yes. What? How much do you like? 25K. Bang. Money was in my bank within 10 minutes. And within a week, I had another offer accepted. As I said, on this sec second buy to let, I learned about the buyer refurbishment mortgage strategy but from a broker saying we can get a light refurbishment product. But I put 40-odd K in, so I had about 15K left. Put 40-odd K in, this was locally, and I got 11K back out. And I was like... Okay, where do I get my next money from? You know, like the bank ain't gonna keep on ringing me up every week for for more loans. And coincidentally, I met a guy. He moved down from Stockton on Tees and met a girl that I knew. So we started playing golf. And again, do you remember we were talking before this? Just timing. He moved down. He's networking Stockton on Tees is vast. He's got several businesses. He's done over hundred property deals as a side hustle. He just bought property because his businesses were doing so well. And he's entrepreneurial. Uh, yeah, he's got several businesses, loads of commercial. So his chant. He's so in demand when he go to Stockton with him everybody knows him everybody likes him really really well respected guy phone rings every two minutes because he's just got so many businesses everybody wants to take him out for lunch but he moved down here and didn't didn't know anybody and I knew this girl we went on a golfing but I took that opportunity as well be fair I didn't realize like this girl I remember a last boyfriend uh he, he told her he was owns all these clubs and everything, and I knew people in the area. It turned out he was just a promoter for the club. He didn't own them. So when she first met him, was talking about him, I was thinking, I hope, hope, hope she ain't met another one of these guys again. So I met him, and he sent genuine, but I still was like, mm, not sure. Obviously, he had a northern accent, so there's a little bit of a wariness there with that. But, but yeah, all jokes aside, I went up with him to. I said to said just took the opportunity. I was there. I went up with him, and he guided me into the area, and that's what was the real thing for me. I was like. Wow, I know Stockton on Tees better than I know South End. And uh, because I met somebody, it was random and I took that opportunity. Some of my friends was going, You're lucky. I said, Well, he's there. He's not, he's not, it's not an ogre. Go and introduce yourself to him. Like, yeah. I didn't give you his number. But but either way, he, he introduced me to the area, he helped me out, and yeah, that's what got me started in, in the area. You know, the first deal I bought, I got all my money out. I was like, wow. Second deal I bought, got only left a, maybe 2K in and 
and yeah, so it was a game changer for me. It's um, yeah, I think uh, PRRs are a great way to build asset wealth, and as you say, in in North cash flow as well. And then obviously, I will convert you at some point. But once you actually start running them as service combination units, you can build some proper cash flow. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how um what did your you know, because a lot of my students who maybe are in the in the north in the south, sorry, they're kinda like, you know, maybe my area's not right for this, you know, how do I do X, Y, and Z? And you know, I've got various ways that I sort of coach them on, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. How were you physically sort of sourcing the properties and then attending the viewings? So get somebody to attend the viewings for you. That, that that's the key. And again, I can't think of any way to say this. I don't even like the saying, but your network is your net worth, and it's absolutely critical. Our chance met him. So he he went, look, he's, he's got a management team himself, and he's like, okay, we'll just do some viewings for you. Let, send over the pro- I had to look, find the properties, and he said, send them to me. I'll tell you whether or not it's, it's, it works, and if it works, I'll get one of the girls in the office to view it for you. And I remember the first property, I kept on sending it. Obviously, you, when you look at the properties in the north, I remember looking at them, seeing these, five grand auction properties, these ones for 10 grand. I was like, wow. And taking them out for that first lunch, I said, can I pick your brains? I want to have, uh, ask around these. He went, seriously, you're just going to buy a headache if you buy them. The natural thing is you are naturally seduced by these cheap prices. Because all I've done is I looked on what housing benefits would pay, which is around £500 a month for a free bedroom. I was looking at these free bedroom houses for, for like $500. It seems too good to be true. And he was like, yeah, it is too good to be true. You said you just buy a headache. Even with housing benefits, you will not have consistent tenants in them. You have headaches. So anyway, I started sending him over deals all the time saying, is this good? Is this good? And then one stuck one day. It was 41K. And he went, it's not great, but you would get that away. It's not the best area. You would get away. I said, well, look, this is what my budget meets at the moment. And my, my, my confidence as well. All I needed is 13K in total to do that deal. So it's like... If this don't work, if he isn't what he says he is, like 13K wasn't going to destroy me. It was all I had, but I knew I could recover from that. I, I looked at the mortgage cost. I was like, mortgage about about £100 a month. The rates was high then. And uh, and the council tax was about £100 a month. So I was like, worst case scenario, even if I sat there, I couldn't resell it. I've got 13K stuck in there. I've got to cover £200 a month. The upside way outweighs that. But having that person now that can do the viewings for you is absolutely critical. That house, she viewed it for me. And as she was walking out, because it's so well-known in the area and it was for sale sign-up, someone rung her and went, oh, you you buying a house? And she went, yeah. She went, can you put me down on the list? And actually, that lady rented that house. So before I even bid on anything, uh, the lady that phoned up, because she see the woman that's doing the viewing for me, she... uh, she she actually had was a tenant for about five years. I remember thinking, wow, this is easy. Uh, I'm going to do loads of this. But, yeah, get somebody to do the viewings for you. But do go there yourself, especially if it's the first time in an area. Don't just rely on what other people are going to tell you. Just, like, go there. Yeah, go I yourself. think um, I, I know I, I did all my viewings definitely at the start, obviously in my area, which was easier to do. But then as I started to get busier and started to, to scale, I actually had, I had some of my cleaners that worked in the SA operations side uh, they would, I'd basically give them a checklist and a video that they had to shoot. And they they went around, got the photos, got the checklist, got the video. And then I'd make offers on that. But what I did do, I did put a layer in there of if I got an offer accepted, I would then just take the stage and I just need to quickly come out and just give it a once over myself. Just, you know, uh, make sure there was nothing missed. But, you know, nine times out of 10, they were absolutely spot on. They got the information that I needed and everything ticked the boxes. Because I think 
whilst I am a massive advocate that you've got to make sure you check everything, the majority of stock that you look at is fine. You know, there's no problems with it. it if it if it looks like it needs a cosmetic upgrade, typically that's all it's going to need. You know, you're not going to find any massive, massive problems. You know, you're not going to all of a sudden find subsidence, you know, from most of the properties and things like that. So you can, you know, use it in a way to get you on the volume of viewings that you need to go on, even if you're not able to do it yourself. And I think that's that's definitely one of the keys to scaling. So your average tenant type, is it, do, you, do you run with the DSS just being in, in that area or is it professionals? Have you got a mix? Uh, a bit of a mix, uh, but we my my avatar is either I don't know how to word this without sounding bad to anybody, but I call them high end benefits. So I don't want social issues uh, benefit tenants who's got like mental health problems. I've got nothing against any of that or drug uh, drug drug addicts or drug, drinking problems. I, I, t- I try not to go for that style ones. I go for high end benefits, and what I mean by high end benefit is. Like families, I, I like family homes. I, I say to people, you're going to do it remotely. Try and, especially at the start, though. Maybe when you build up and you build up a network, you can go for other stuff. But at the start, try to get stuff that's going to give you the highest probability of long-term tenants. And the highest probability of a long-term tenant for me is three-bedroom family homes. So you can get mums that have had a job, but just can't go back to work because they're on a low income and the the the, the childcare is too much money. So they end up being on benefits. They're great, and look, we get guarantors with them benefit tenants. We get rent insurance. Mum usually lives two streets up, and then usually lives across the road. And and if you do the house to a nice standard, and you look after them, they will stay for like six, seven, eight, nine years. You know, like I've got a tenant in one of mine at the moment. She nearly just lost her kids, and it went up in the air. And uh, funny enough, we I got the advice from you to do that direct uh, direct claim with uh, 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 with the uh, universal credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, that was fairly new. Well, when we last looked, you couldn't. You had to get them to claim for it. But yeah, uh, she's been in there for like nine years. I think it is something like that. You know. So our profile is typically that type of tenant or lower income tenants, and purely because I find I've got a few properties which is in like sort of the higher end, sort of around a hundred k, and I like to diversify it because. Contrary to popular belief, there has been capital growth even before last year in the Northeast. There's there's micro economies within each climate. As a whole, an average, the Northeast since the last crash hasn't grown, but there's micro little pockets in there that are more affluent and spots. But I find, for instance, our typical purchase uh, is usually a sort of around 50 to 70K. But I find if I buy 100K, you're going to get definitely professional tenants. But the thing with that is, is then professional tenants – the house might be worth 130, like sort of 150 once you've done the work to it. But the problem is, the challenge you'll get with that is you'll get higher turnover with them tenants because because the deposits are so low, because the rent is still relatively low, they can save up for a deposit themselves. You find in 18 months' time, they've got a homeowner mindset, and in 18 months' time, they've bought their own home because they can buy one for 120 themselves and they've only got to save up a 5 10% deposit. Their rent's fairly low and comparable to their earnings and you get a high turnover. So I like low-income uh, tenants, ideally, uh, or higher benefits. But we I do mix it up a little bit. And and as I said, once you get a network, you do wander into other higher turnover stuff as well just to diversify it. But at the start, I think it's really nice to cut your teeth on the easier stuff and the stuff that's got less moving parts. Yeah, yeah. and I think... I guess as you've as you've built that area knowledge, you understand where those tenants typically live, so therefore where to buy those houses in those streets. And um, you know, I've got 
I've I, I, I've got a, a mix. Um, probably most of my tenants aren't on any benefits. I've got a few, uh, but the majority are just above that level, as you yeah. say. You know that they are. Um, I've got some properties that are next to certain schools, and they were bought for that purpose because yeah. I know those schools are great. So people want to be in that area to get their kids into those schools. And you know, there's there's loads of tactical ways you can buy a house and make sure you are going to get it rented like nearly nine times out of ten every single time a tenant moves out you've got someone else going in it's funny you mentioned about your uh, my first purchase i had the the seller had already found me a tenant Ooh. so he's like he's like i've done it it was a, it wasn't the best purchase in the world it was already modernized i thought i was getting a good deal it probably wasn't the best deal um i actually never refinanced that property because by the time it was due. I had other things going on, and the cash flow was coming in, so I didn't feel like I needed to. And um, but the I, I didn't buy it right in terms of the BRR. But you don't know what you don't know, or even if you do think you know something, until you've put it into practice and seen it play out, then you don't really. I think that's when you get the true experience. But he did say, by the way, I've got you a tenant, and that tenant his um, he wants to be there forever. Like he was like, can I sign a ten year contract? <laughs> so I was like, well, we can't do that, but you know, we can uh, we can just run it bit by bit. But um, but yeah, so so it, it is interesting. Where um, I know we've had you know a bit of uh, a chat. I know we've been you know bouncing backwards and forwards. Where do you where do you see your portfolio now going? Is is anything going to change, or are you just going to keep doing what you're doing? Are you going to start sort of diversify a bit? Where where do you see where do you see yourself going over the next sort of twelve to to twenty four months? Yeah, I'm quite. I don't mind diversifying because, as I said, I've got I've bought commercial, done commercial versions, uh, got a few HMOs. Uh, I'm definitely looking at the SA. As I said, I spoke to you about about that, and I'm just doing my research at the moment. I've got I've got a flat in South End that's coming up in I think about a month or so's time. So I'm just doing some research on that side of it. But I want a provider with that. I, I'm fully aware. Of, it's finding the right people. So if I can't find the right people to do the right things with me, then I'm not really interested. Similar again, if, if I was to do like the last commercial version I've done, I tried to get the partner on board with it and he was definitely the right partner in the terms of his experience. And we matched really well because he'd done some more development side of it. Uh, so the idea was, look, you can understand development a bit better than I understand it. And but I've got a network in the area and I've got the area and the team in the area. It's quite a good blend. But you still have the time. This is one of the things that people wonder like underestimate sometimes when they're looking at JV with people, you could be more than capable, which he was, but he didn't have the time to commit to it. So it kind of run out of legs before that. But I feel I'm open to all the options. If I can find the right partners, I don't want to learn. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not a detailed person. I'm not a fan of sitting there looking at planning applications and all the details of that. That's why I love singlets. Literally our singlets usually turn around unless we're having the, uh, builder challenge or we're going for a new builder uh usually they turn around in two or three three maybe four weeks and it's rented out and on to the next one when when builds are taking ages and there's loads of little introverts and you've got to deal with sort of building control and all that stuff it's just not what i enjoy you know and and i've done it a few times now and i'm like yeah that's just where i'm at so if i find the right partners i'm really really open to that but if i'm not i'm happy to just steady steady along with where I'm going hence and this is not me like massaging your ego or anything the reason I took an interest in service accommodation is because I started networking with you on Clubhouse and online and I spoke to you and I realized the credibility that you had so the only interest that gave me service accommodation was meeting credible people like you 
not and I said I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. But if I didn't meet somebody I thought was credible, uh, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't be looking at social service accommodation at the moment. And I, uh, what you've got to be careful on is just trying to spread yourself too thin. All the strategies really work well. So I, I believe if I focused on any one of those, even if I enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, I'd make it work. But like you haven't got time to focus on them all. So yeah, if I find the right partners and the right people, I think are capable. Then yeah, I'm, I'm happy to look at the other areas. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point you make there because you know I've starting to open up a lot more doors you know i'm actually going to london tomorrow as i, as I discussed offline you know to to further conversations around you know working with developers and you know very experienced property people who they they want to get into this space but they don't want to know how to put all the systems together and run it in the operations they they more they, they more than could you know the yeah. and they, 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 of course they could but, you know, the, the percentage trade-off to just saying, you take it on, you're the experts, I don't need to, to understand it, you just do what you do best and we'll just provide the property, that is a good fit for a lot of people. And I think as you start to grow on your journey, you realise how powerful collaboration is and how much further it can get you, whether it's joint ventures, whether it's just, you know, collaborating on a managed sort of service, you know, whatever that might be. And and I, I'm starting to really understand that, you know, in the last sort of eight to nine months of how powerful that is to move yourself forward and move your business forward. And I think you've got to you've got to stop thinking, oh, well, I'll lose 50 percent if I go JV. It's actually no, you'll gain more than 50 percent. Not only do you get 50 percent, you'll also gain the knowledge and what they bring to the table and, and, you know, and everything like that. But it's 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 a super, super powerful industry. But as you said there. You've got to have the right joint venture partners if that's the way you're going to go because you've got to be aligned. There's no, it's all rosy at the beginning, the honeymoon period. Yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to make all this and blah, blah, blah. But then if you're having to show up at site every day when they said they were going to show up at site every day, you start getting, well, I'm putting all this effort in and you're doing nothing. What's going on? And and that's where things can really start to fall down. So I think you've got to get, you've got to get it all in sync on paper, you know, before you go. I mean, I'm a, you know, uh, and then, you know, touching base on your single strategy about being quick, I was the same. I think just before COVID, I was doing 10 weeks from keys to refinance. We had it that slick and that quick. And now it's like about eight months because solicitors are terrible. <laughs> but but that, that's, not, not, that's not because of us or the processes. But I have realized for my model, serviced accommodation, blocks of apartments work incredibly well. So for me... 2021 and beyond is all about multiple units under one roof. So that's all I'm kind of purchasing now. The downside of that, as you alluded to before, is I like I'm so impatient. I want everything done yesterday. So me having to sit on my thumbs twiddling after I've made an offer and wait 12 weeks for planning is like, are we kidding? You know, when and not, you know, and I'm gonna buy this building next week. I'm not gonna see any cash flow from that for the if I'm lucky 12 months from now. So that that in itself is again another mindset shift that has to happen. But having said that, you know, the year in the grand scheme of things is not an, a mass amount of time. And once it's finished, you know, this particular project, I will have 16 apartments. Now, for you to go out and purchase 16 apartments will probably take you 12, 12 months, right? If you're doing singly on the BRR strategy, you'd have 16 finance applications, you'd have 16 headaches with solicitors, yeah. 16 refinances. And so for me, that kind of mindset shifted. But I do think you can't get onto stuff like this if you haven't 
done what we've done so far. I think you need all that experience. You need all that, um, the knowledge, the credibility, even just for the finance, the development finance. They need to see that you've done stuff. So um, you've got to you've got to build it up, and I think um, it is super important. Do you have any uh, rent to rent, any lease options in the portfolio? No, none. Uh, I've done I've done a few options that I didn't exercise in the end. Like I've done a few options on commercial buildings as well, which I've, I've, I took through planning and didn't exercise. But uh, no, no rent to rents. Uh, uh, been close. I, I nearly got a rent to rent on a commercial before, and we didn't even know it was rent to rent at the time. But yeah, yeah, none. Everything that we've got and done has been purchased. Is there a reason why you don't do it, or just something that you've never really got into? Yeah, just again, it's just spreading yourself too thin into too many different a- areas, you know. And and the, the problem, what I, the challenge I had, I don't like saying that word problem because there's no problems, only challenges. But uh, the challenge I had at the start was that was that focus, you know. Like at the start, the, the thing is, when you get a bit of momentum, the more momentum you get, the more offers, you, the more more opportunity you get. And Steve Jobs says it, it's 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 equally as important what you say no to is what you say yes to, even when you know you're capable. And and I tried like so when I started getting a bit of momentum, before you know it, we was buying like sort of three properties, two, three properties a month. And I was getting more and more momentum. So then was doing commercial conversions, trying to do HMOs, then trying to set up a lettings company at the same time. Then I partnered with a builder to try and create a building company at the same time. Then I was buying properties for investors in the South, like just a complete hands-free package. And I was trying to do all these at the same time, and it spread me far, far too thin, and just nearly collapsed me. You know, like I really had to take a step back and and reorganise. It took me took me like up to twenty nineteen to really start undoing some of the messes I'd made from really trying to uh, expand too far. Looking back over it. Would I do it the same again? Absolutely not in hindsight, but hindsight's beautiful. Even at the start of it, I knew I knew the theory behind don't spread yourself too thin. I remember learning, like, do the 70-20-10 strategy, which is fantastic, like 70% on the main strategy, 20% on the secondary, 10 on the third. And when I stick to that, it works well, because I can't stick to one. My mind definitely, I can't just do one thing. But even though I knew that, even though I've got a concept behind that, you can't, like, opportunity and, and, like we're emotional beings and we justify it logically afterwards. And no matter what anybody says, money is an emotional thing. So when you see an opportunity, you're like, oh, yeah. And you just, in your head, you start, oh, I'm sure I can squeeze that in. And yeah, that, even though I know the theory behind it, I'll make that work. And it's not until you're in the thick of it, not having no sleep and pu- pulling your hair out that you start realizing, wow, like I can't. But the problem is, the emotions then are really high and you realize you can't. And then when things are going well again, the emotions are, I'm invincible. <laughs> and and this, you really have to have a real self-awareness. So, yeah, I looked at it a few times, but at the time when I was looking at it, it probably spread myself too thin at the time. And I didn't have the time and effort to make enough of an understanding uh, of that. But I'm open to them if, if they come along, but not something I massively actively ch- chase. Yeah. Okay. The, um, I've actually got a question here from Jamie on YouTube. Um, What's your advice for building a refurb team when investing remotely? Uh, net, network, networking, is, again, I said it earlier on. So social media is the most powerful tool, whether you're doing it locally or remotely is the most powerful tool. People, whether they're builders, like work with people they know, like and trust. You'll get to the top of the builders list if you get along with that builder. And if you build out your profile, it's don't only work for builders. This works for everything, for investment, for solicitors, for builders. But here's a, here's a historic example. I remember uh, Theo, one, a mutual friend of ours, 
I trust Theo. I met Theo because of my online presence. Theo was like, I'm from Stockton. Uh, well, from Teesside. Do you want to meet up? So I met up with Theo. We got friends. One day I needed a plasterer. Theo, do you've got a plasterer? I know Theo really well. So I knew the plasterer would be fine. So I sent him straight up to the job, done the job. I, I phoned the plasterer up at the end because I like to show him my pay well. Where'd you uh, do us a favor? Send the invoice to accounts that grow properties. He was like, Oh, you grow properties? I was like, Yeah. He went, Oh, I've been watching your videos for ages. And he, he, he wasn't horrible to me. I spoke with him over the phone. He wasn't horrible to me. Uh, when I first spoke to him, he was more than nice. But as soon as he'd realized I was growing properties, obviously he was probably thinking that, uh, yes, yeah, consistent work, another person to get in with. His whole attitude shifted upwards. Not majorly, as I said, he was fine before. But because he'd seen my profile, because he'd seen I was actively buying houses, I was actively doing what I was doing, he, that shifted with him. And so then that built a relationship with him a hell of a lot quicker than it would have done me doing three or four jobs with him and, 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 and building it up over the phone and, or even in person if you're locally. So the biggest advice is get online, get in Facebook groups. I think Facebook's the most powerful place for this because there's communities already existing. If you go on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Instagram, most of these, you've got to build a following. If you mm -hmm. go on Facebook, there's a following already there of your audience. And you can go to Doncaster, Stockton on T, all these areas. If you type in that area and property, there'll probably be already a, a group accumulated. Or if it's not direct that area, it'll be an area around that area that's accumulated. So you just go in there, ask questions, network with people. If you've got a bit of a social proof of what you've been up to yourself, that then gives you more credibility to negotiate with these people and then want to work with you. So, yeah, building out your personal brand. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah, I mean, I love, I've, I've built my business on Facebook. I say it all the time. I, I've built my whole business on Facebook, you know, and and uh, without spending fortunes on paid ads either, you know, compared to compared to what we've brought in. So super important. Last thing I want to touch on um, is obviously you're sat behind a shelf full of books and a and a whiteboard with some writing on. So uh, I know, uh, like myself, you know, you you're well into educating yourself and personal development. And, and helping others as well. When did you kind of start that journey? And, and I guess, why do you believe in it so much? Yeah, so in in 2013, so again, as I said, I st I just, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, not always successful, not any entrepreneurial ventures. Even to this day, I've got ones that work really well, some that don't work so well. It's part of the journey you've got to get used to. But uh, I've always been entrepreneurial since a kid. And at school, we grew up with like hardly any money and I'd I had no choice. I wanted to be in my friends. I had to do other things to try and do that from trading BIMX parts or whatnot to up to being into a property investor. But I bought my first deals without any education. It just didn't know any different. You don't know what you don't know, you know? So I didn't know there was this education out there of anything. Uh, so just wanted to get into property, started my first journey, didn't learn anything, uh, like educate myself. And two, I think, as I said, my third deal started going on the internet a little bit, but still didn't know anything about social media or anything. And then because the properties in the North was doing so well, I, uh, I got coffee again. This is that shiny penny syndrome. Uh, my friend from the North had some bed shops and cause his some bed shops were doing well. I was playing golf with him and I was like, wow, that, it, it, that looks good. And I found a shop locally that would have been good for a some bed shop. And I said to him, do you mind coming along with me, like viewing it? Because I never viewed a commercial building at this time. I'd only bought a handful of sing like single-let properties. I think I had about five single-let properties at this point in that piece of land. I said, do you mind coming along? This was nearly my first rent-to-rent -rent as well, funny enough. So I went along to lease this property. 
I was going to turn downstairs into somebody. It was like, wow, that's a great location. Upstairs was an empty space. And the reason it wasn't let in as a property, because the money they wanted for it and the upstairs was a really empty space. Not a lot of people wanted that upstairs space. The previous people had that as a workshop and not many people wanted that as a workshop. But we were, he, he was doing his house out. And I was like, wow, we could split this into rooms and rent this out like as rooms as well. You know? And I said, would the, would the, would the owner allow that? And it was, they was like, yeah, they, they would allow that, but you've got to show us what you want to do. So we put the application in, we got the plans drawn up and the, the owner nicked my idea last minute. So uh, I'm then out trying to look for the sunbed shop and I stumbled across another shop, which was a, a little calf coffee shop opposite the tube station in Hornchurch. And I was like, oh, wow. Like my friend, this is how my mind worked. My friend, girlfriend always worked in the food industry and she, she really fed up with her job. I, the week before they were saying, oh, she's nearly walking out of her job. She, she worked in kitchens and, and catering. And I see this little cafe sort of slash coffee shop. And I was like, oh, wow, do you want to chuck her in now? I'll get it. I'll do it up. And, but she can run it. And the, and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's up for it. He was up for it. She wasn't. Anyway, I've got this coffee shop and getting going. The sole purpose behind this coffee shop was to earn more money to get deposits for these properties in the north because I, I, I was I was really really uh, hooked on that. But uh, anyway, the long and short of it was day one she gave up. Day two I'm in there googling how to make a how to make a cappuccino because uh, one of the researches I done was the, the guy ran it really well and a guy won the lottery bought it off of him and he thought it was easy to buy and he didn't realize he had to run it and he ran it down because he was inconsistent. So in my head, I'm thinking, I've got to stay consistent with it. So I'm in there opening it. And anyway, long story short, it was a disaster. It put me in a massive financial and well-being hole as a result. And uh, and it took me further. It took me about two years to start buying property again. So in between that time, I'm like, well, I'm going back to the internet. Property is what I love. I've got this massive hole mentally and financially. I'm really going to take this a bit serious. And I stumbled across multiple streams of property income by Rob Moore and uh, Mark Homer, and I went along to there. It was a three-day event in London, and I was like, "Wow!" It blew my mind. It was too much. It actually, it actually gave me massive overwhelm and gave me some other issues to deal with in my mental health as well. But it was a massive game changer for me at the same time. Hadn't read a book at that point. Uh, no, I had read my first book just before then, but I left school slightly dyslexic, not being able to read. And I had read my first book, I think, around 2010, but still didn't, you, didn't, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know what books to read. The internet wasn't there. But I went to this multiple stream of property income and talking about a compound effect, four-hour work week. And I was like, wow. And from that point onwards, it's been like a kind of drug to me. I just, just got downloaded Audible. I've, I've got a jump straight on the course with HMO Daddy and Mark Homer. And from there onwards, I've just been a constant advocate of uh, self-education. And that was a real pivot point in, in my journey. Yeah, no, it's, um, I think one thing that resonates with anyone that, you know, I, I've had a lot of successful people on the podcast, you know, including yourself, and everyone seems to be, you know, well into self-development, well into, you know, getting getting ahead by getting information and then taking action on the information. So, you know, a little, as I say all the time, you know, success leaves clues. So there's a little clue for anyone that's maybe starting their journey is, you know, um, we all invest heavily in ourselves and in our personal development it's part of my business plan every year not that i write business plans but you know part of i will spend a certain amount of money on you know x on education and you know where i want to go depending on where i'm at that time and i think it, it, it should be built into everyone's business just like you're building you know your marketing costs or your agency costs or whatever it might be it, it, it's got to be a part of your business but yeah, yeah. I, um, 
it always puzzles me when people don't know, you know, because ultimately, if you go to any business, you'll train. So this is no different. Like people feel they can just start a business up without any training and just use their instinct, myself including. I've just got into a, a hole by doing that. And you, you, but the big, like if information alone, like, like back when I first started training, information wasn't as abundant as it is today. Today, information is abundant. If information alone was enough, everybody would be in the shape they want to be in, they'd have the relationships they want to be, they'd be as happy as they want to be, and they'd be as rich as they, they'd have the finances they'd want to have. Because you're one Google search away from telling, you could have Richard Branson telling you what to do on YouTube, you know, or or, or Donald Trump, like whether you like him or hate him, the the, the pre- last president of the United States. Information's there. When you pay, you pay attention. You make a different commitment to it as well. So I invest in myself all the time. I love free stuff. I love reading. I'm not constantly reading. But when you pay, you definitely get a different value from that and a different commitment and a different accountability. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. So, um, listen, absolute pleasure to have you on. And, um, you know, there's no doubt we'll continue talking offline as well. How can people get in touch with you if they do want to reach out to you? Uh, best places across my social medias. Uh, Harvey Growth Properties is the main place. That's how I'm trying to brand myself now. Uh, but uh, Harvey Growth Properties is, is you'll find me on all the handles pretty much. Uh, but uh, my Facebook community, the remote property investing community, is probably the one uh, I'm sort of more actively in sort of thing. But I'm on all of them, Instagram. Yeah, you actually find me with Harvey Growth Properties. Super duper. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks, for, thanks very, very much. It's been an awesome episode, and I'm sure everyone has got a great value. If you have, please, please leave us a review and a few comments. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. As I said, little, as I said, I'm not massaging your ego or blowing smoke up your ass. It's been absolutely great getting to know you. I'm really in massive admiration of what you're doing. Keep the good work up. Keep, keep on trailblazing and putting that positive sort of example out for everybody, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy.